Good morning, Ian. Thank you for joining us on the next edition of our podcast. I think we'll call this a webcast since it's our first virtual one where we get to see each other face to face. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Great to see you guys. Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Why don't you give us a short introduction about who you are, what you do, um, and then a bit about how you got to be involved with us at Cordex. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so my name is Ian O'Donnell. I'm the director of validation at a place called Menlo Labs. Uh, we're an offshoot of Menlo Ventures, a, a venture capital firm out in Silicon Valley. Uh, and my role with Menlo Labs is I basically help early stage entrepreneurs uh, accelerate their time to market. So, you know, work with them to, to figure out who they're launching their product for, what needs they're solving in the market and, and really what their solution should be. And, you know, how do they put a scalable business model around that? Um, so before that, I, I worked for a company called BCG Digital Ventures. Uh, so we're the corporate incubator and investment arm of the, the global management consultancy, Boston Consulting Group. Uh, and, you know, during my four plus years there, I helped a, a number of clients launch new innovative products and, and businesses into the market, one of which was actually Cordex. Um, and so that's how I originally got involved with Cordex you know, back in, I think it was April of 2018 now. Um, so working with our, our corporate partner to, to help actually launch a, a portfolio of businesses, one of which is Cordex. So really excited to be here and, and see all the great progress that you guys made. Excellent. Well, thank you for being with us from day one, practically, and a bit before then. <laughs> <laughs> so Rin, coming from an outside point of view, looking at new startups, how, in your experience, do you decide when to engage with a startup? What about startups um, can they do to be attractive to you? What makes them stand out? And at what point do you decide to get involved? Yeah, so, you know, at, at Menlo Labs, we kind of have what we call a, a stage-gated process. Um, so we engage with entrepreneurs um, kind of all throughout the life cycle of startup creation, you know, starting as early as, hey, we met somebody at uh, an event you know, in the Bay Area, and they were talking about an idea that they had been mulling around. And, you know, we have a, a couple of tools that we use uh, to really help kind of understand, you know, is there is there a true opportunity in this space? So, you know, the, the fundamental framework that we use as a, as a guiding process, uh, including, you know, back in my time at, at Cordex is the idea of desirability, viability, and feasibility. And for us, an, an opportunity has to meet at the intersection of all three of those. Now there's sub-elements kind of composed underneath each one of them, but, you know, fundam fundamentally desirability is around do people want this? Does this mm -hmm. solve a real human need in the market? Viability is, hey, is there a is there a tangible business model around this that will be profitable and scalable over time? And then feasibility is all around, you know, can the tech be built? Is the regulatory uh, concerns around this uh, okay? Is there anything else from a 
can we actually build this perspective, you know, that would be a showstopper. And so, you know, when we meet entrepreneurs, we're thinking about all three of those those lenses. Um, but we do have a process where we start to think about them in a little bit of an order. You know, the mm -hmm. first question is always going to be around desirability. Hey, is there a real compelling need in the market? Is it big? Is it acute? Is nobody else solving this in a meaningful way today? And so, you know, those are some of the indicators that we look for um, when we're, you know, possibly working with a, a potential entrepreneur is, you know, we want them to, to get out of the building, quote unquote, mm -hmm. to have talked to, you know, at least probably 15 to 20 people in the space you know, they can express that that clear and compelling need. You know, they've probably done some back of the envelope math to show, hey, this is a really big growing market uh, that's desirable to, to go into. And then, you know, at the same time, they've probably done a, a pretty decent amount of competitive analysis to say that, hey, you know, here are the major players in this space. And, you know, I think there's a white space for, for my solution. So, you know, that's kind of really when we feel good about that. And, you know, we've also done some of our own research to say, yes, we feel like there's a, a real need in the market, then we'll engage with that entrepreneur on a, on a deeper level and kind of go through the, the longer process of, of getting them into our program. Interesting. That's excellent. That's nice to see there's a process to it. So of, of those three elements, um, is there one that you've seen that's a bit easier for entrepreneurs to articulate? Um, is there maybe one that they struggle with? Or is there one that maybe stands out to you amongst the three? Um, yeah, it's a good question. You know, I think I'll go back to the, the desirability one because I think, okay. you know, we naturally as, as humans, you know, we have a good idea. A light bulb goes off in our head as, as they say. And it's like, you know, I have this solution that I think would be great for the world. And, you know, you want to go tell people about it. You want to say, hey, I've got this. Like, do you like it? Would you buy it? Mm -hmm. When fundamentally, you're actually trying to understand, you know, what your potential, one, who your potential customers are, and, and really, what are their needs, and then saying, how do I design a solution around that? So, you know, I'm constantly reminding our entrepreneurs and, you know, back in my time at, at DB, reminding our clients is to not fall in love with the solution, fall in love with the problem. Okay. Um, so that's that's kind of the fundamental thing that I would say, you know, most entrepreneurs maybe not necessarily struggle with, but they get very attached to the idea, the solution. It's, it's their baby. And Absolutely. really, you got to... I, having been around this world for a long time, I can guarantee you, no matter how great your idea is, it will change. It will evolve yeah. based off of what you're seeing in market. So if you really fall in love with that problem, uh, that to me is the, the most important thing, you know, and also the, the biggest challenge that, that entrepreneurs have. So you've worked with tons of entrepreneurs across many sectors, I assume. Um, and Cordex is in the maritime industry. So how has working with Cordex for the past couple of years uh, differed, or I should say, how has the working within the maritime industry differed from other industries and sectors that you, you help entrepreneurs with? Yeah, it's another really good question. And, you know, to be honest, I, going into every industry, 
I, I face kind of the same question. And, you know, my answer is, is almost always the same, which, you know, many in the maritime industry might not like, but, you know, every industry says, oh, we're special. You know, we have yeah. challenges that nobody else has. And to an extent that they're correct, you know, Maritime has challenges of connectivity out in the middle of an ocean, you know, having been uh, being in really harsh environments, uh, working, you know, with an industry that literally has been around for thousands of years, probably the second mm -hmm. oldest industry in the entire world. But, you know, ultimately what I say to, to everybody is that, you know, you're not you're not special. Like okay. every industry faces its own unique challenges. Um, and the fundamental thing that, that I go back to, um, in addition to the desirability, viability, feasibility lens is fundamentally building an early stage startup is about prioritizing and mitigating risk. Mm -hmm. And so you can still think about, you know, no matter what industry you're in, what are your biggest risks to this business? You know, what could kill this thing tomorrow? Mm -hmm. So for instance, on the desirability side, well, I can't find a customer. That's a really big risk that every startup has to deal with. Absolutely. Uh, no matter no matter the industry now how you go about finding that customer could look very different you know in the maritime industry versus you know a consumer facing startup but fundamentally the challenge is still identifying prioritizing and, and mitigating your your biggest risks as you go excellent the, the reason why i ask that is because tech in maritime is over the past five ten years has become very hot and there's a lot of newcomers coming into the industry that don't have uh, maritime experience. Uh, quite a few people at Cordex come from technical backgrounds. We have a lot of uh, industry experts. I myself, I've only worked with maritime tech companies. I've never worked with ship owners, for example. Um, and uh, you make a very good point. Learning about any new industry uh, is a challenge in for themselves. So for you, when you started working with Cordex, um, what were some fundamental things specifically about maritime that you had to learn? Uh, maybe some some key pointers you would recommend to other entrepreneurs that are wanting to get into the maritime space, um, similar to how Cordex entered. I'm um, learning maybe some things that you weren't aware of about the shipping space that uh, you could have told yourself a couple months before and would have made your life a little bit easier. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, to, to the previous question you were asking, I think that is one thing that entrepreneurs take for granted coming into a space like Maritime, um, where if you haven't been in that industry, it is a very, it is a very unique environment. And it's one that, you know, I myself, you know, I live in the, the city of Atlanta, very far from, from an ocean. And, you know, I would just never have any experience um, what it's like to be on one of those vessels, you know, working day to day, trying to, to maintain and, and fix the equipment. And so I think having that you know, firsthand experience of what it's like to, to be those folks that live on that vessel. A lot of entrepreneurs take that for granted. You know, okay. they think about consumer startups and, you know, you take for granted that you live those things. You live those challenges every day as a consumer. Mm -hmm. I don't live those challenges every day, you know, in the maritime industry coming from 
outside of it. And so, you know, this is a this is a long way of of me saying I think there's a whole bunch of different kind of things that are unique challenges to the maritime industry. And I think, you know, for me, a couple of the things were, I mentioned it earlier, one was connectivity and really figuring out what is the, you know, technical architecture to be able to do the things that we want to do. You know, there's a huge development now uh, recently over probably the last four to five years in, in edge computing, where you can actually store and do a whole bunch of big data analysis on board a vessel, you know, without connectivity. That was just never possible, you know, previous to five years from that. So any, you know, machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence type of solution just wasn't possible before then because the connection speeds were too slow. You didn't have the the hardware on board a vessel to be able to do that. Um, I think another very unique challenge that I learned about af only after being on board one of these things was the idea of, uh, the term is escaping me now, but, um, you know, oh, the intrinsically safe hardware. And so the ability to be able to deploy tablets in one of these mm -hmm. places, you know, people take that for granted that, you know, we carry these phones around everywhere with us. Well, on board a, a vessel, you're not allowed to do that unless, you know, one of those things has been fitted to be intrinsically safe. So that was one of the, the bigger challenges that we had to deal with early on was, you know, finding a, a tablet manufacturer that um, would meet these intrinsically safe requirements. So, you know, the, those are a couple of the things that, that come to mind. Um, and I think maybe the last one is, is really just actually living the life that you know, these men and women live on board one of these vessels. They're they're very harsh environments. You're away from your family for a really long time. And I think, you know, until you actually experience that a little bit, I had a taste of living on, on board a vessel for about 36 hours, which is a very, very <laughs> small period of time compared to the, the three-month stints that, that these yeah. folks do. Um, and I think until you really experience that, it's hard to know kind of the the day in day out challenges that they that they face. Excellent. Well, I hope you enjoyed your time uh, working in the maritime space. I'm sure you'll run across some other entrepreneurs that are wanting to intern, and they'll definitely look for you to for some guidance. Um, are there any other industries that you've you've enjoyed? I hope equally as working in, in the maritime space. Um, and the reason why I ask is. Uh, you, you know, we, we do feel that there is a lot of uh, room for disruption in shipping. And so I'd be keen to see from your point of view, um, if A, there are other industries you'd like to work within or consult to, but if you if you see any other uh, industries that are also ripe for disruption. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I think my big thing is that the the pace of change is is only accelerating i think we all feel that on a day-to-day -day basis um but you know what that means is i think pretty much no industry is off limits and um i think the the pace at which you know these more traditional industries like shipping like uh 
energy, like the utility industry, are only going to, you know, face more and more disruption from what you might call like non-traditional players. So, for instance, you know, Tesla is completely disrupting not only the energy industry but also the utility. You know, they're、yeah. aiming to create an entirely new power grid that never existed before, and a way for consumers to, you know, sell energy back to the grid、um, to help smooth out demand curves. So, you know, for me, I really enjoy working in industries like maritime that are almost. For lack of a better term, invisible to you know, kind of people going about their day-to-day lives. But you、Absolutely. know, what really fascinated me when I, I started with maritime is it's like, you know, ninety percent of the world's goods are probably touched by the maritime industry, and you know, I had no idea about it beforehand. And so for me, it, it's really fun to work with entrepreneurs in these industries that people don't think a lot about. But are so integral to our day-to-day lives. So you know that can mean maritime. It could mean the utility industry. It could mean you know oil and gas. I think like materials manufacturing and chemicals is is really fascinating. I think mining is is really fascinating because these are all you know industries that are sort of the foundational elements of the way that we live. But a lot of people just don't don't think about them on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate your time、uh, this morning、uh, during the podcast.、Um, as a final question, you know,、um, as you've been speaking today, it's all been about、uh, you've really emphasized how you and your team have come to help different entrepreneurs in the space and, and very practically going to them. If it's the other way around, if it's、uh, entrepreneurs or new firms, new ventures that are wanting to come to you、um, or wanting to go to to get help, maybe what are some things that you would recommend? They do when they're trying to get started to make sure going back to that pillar of the the three topics to make sure that they are、um, set up for success in terms of viability, desirability, and feasibility. Yeah, I mean, so I think my number one thing would be, you know, set a goal for yourself to at minimum talk to six people、okay. every week. About you know your what you're trying to build you know and kind of what the the market space looks like. You're gonna discover so much just by talking to people, even if they might not be in what you think is exactly your cus target in the beginning. You know you might gain one little nugget of insight from that conversation. And the early part of of startup、uh, of startup building is all about how quickly and how many iterations can you go through. And so, the more people you talk to, and the faster you can get that iteration cycle spinning, the、yeah. better.、Um, and so, there's tons of great resources out there to. To you know, find people to to talk to. I'm happy to to share some of those if if you want to post those along with the with the episode itself.、Sure. But you know, to to make it really easy to find people in really anything,、um, especially in like these industries that were previously you know, unless you worked in them, it was really hard to access them. Well,、yeah. you know, there's things like Respondent.io right now where you can find people with very specific.
expertise in in things and it's generally fairly cheap you know 150 200 bucks to to go and talk to somebody you can do you know six interviews in a week for under 1500 and so that would be kind of my number one thing get out and talk to as many people as you can as as often as you can you'll be amazed at the amount uh your idea evolves great advice well thank you so much for joining ian and we hope to be uh, in contact in the future have a nice day ahead yeah thank you so much for for hosting this was fun appreciate it